<laughs> we'll work with what we have, right? No, the one who's making a lot of shit. Every year he gives me something. Oh, All good. Gotta work with this a lot, that's open, you know? <laughs> Whenever we're ready. Start? It's Thursday night, though. Okay. Okay. Naftali, this is on? I don't know what's here. Bring it in. You want to bring it in? <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Let's. So. So we're gonna do um, part two of the machine matzah controversy. I'm just gonna give a, a 90 second chazara of what we covered in part one, just so that we're all brought up to speed. So we, we basically, in part one, we, we spoke about how matzah was baked uh, back in the day. We spoke about the improvements that were tried to be introduced. We spoke about the invention of the machine. We spoke about the people who greeted it very happily and the people who felt that it was a tremendous uh, pagia in, in the union of, of, uh, of matzah properly. We mentioned some of the gemaras that are relevant to understanding the sugi of shahia, the sugi of what could go wrong when one's baking matzah. And then we described the, 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 the precarious situation that Yosef Shal Natans and the Shailamesha found themselves in as Rav of the city of, of uh, Lemberg, being that it was caught up in, in the death of the previous Rav and reform and the situation he found himself in. Now, I'm going to try to just, I just want to say one more thing. We were also mocked him last time before we started that the critiques we're going to hear are written by, by the, the highest caliber G'dayli Elam about the highest caliber G'dayli Elam. And we have to keep that in mind the whole time as we work through it. Now let's, uh, let's try to work through the, the chuvas, each one of them. Oh, who asked for show and tell? The show and tell. Each one of them, the Shlomo Kluger camp and the Shlomo camp, camp, each put out a kuntras, a full kuntras, in defense of their position. And I'll, I'll try to give you quickly over here the greatest hits from the kuntras that, that each one put out. So now... We'll start with the first one, Rupshleim Kluger's camp. When, when, when the machine matzah arrived in Galicia, in, in, in Lvov, in Lemberg, so, so the Shailameshev gave a hatter for it, and they began baking matzah with it in the, in the city of Lemberg. Now, it uh, inspired a huge pushback that was led by Rupshleim Kluger, who was the de facto rav of Brody, of Brod, which was the other large city in, in Galicia at the time. Now, so the, the countries that Rupshleim Kluger ostensibly put out it's called Maidal Beis Yisrael, and it's a collection of the different chuvas from the different Gedolei Harabanim who assered machine matzah, and uh, the reasons why it should be us should be us. Now, it rather starts off the Sharblat starts off that it's nidfas b'pkudas agayin ar Yisrael Rishlema Kluger. It's put out like Rishlema Kluger asked us to put out this booklet. He he obviously was not the one who actually put out this booklet. It was put out by someone, a small time rav, a young man in his thirties, a small time rav from Krakow. His name is Rav Chaim Nassim Dembitzer who we'll see features very strongly throughout the countries. And he says that Rishleim Kluger asked him to put out this countries, and then he collected all these things. Now, if you'll turn to the next page, literally, you'll see Rishleim Kluger writes in his first letter, Amar Shleima, he's, he's contributing, he says, Kuntras hazeh nishlach ilayim esudar, it was sent to me fully prepped, mikilik desha krakel, veim kasfu daiti, they wrote it without asking my permission, no one, I didn't instruct them to, they wrote this, but I said, you know, once it's here, I approve and let's, let's go forward with it. So right away you start seeing that there's, there's, there's people involved, there's agendas. 
so then this is, and then it ends off, he thanks two people. He thanks his son, Rabbi Avram Binyamin Kluger. Rabbi Kluger only had one son, Rabbi Avram Binyamin Kluger, for being involved. Rabbi Avram Binyamin at this time was 19 years old. Mamash, mamash, yungaman. He thanks him for being involved, and he thanks Chaim Nassin from Yoshev Kisoyis in Krakow. His last name is Demeter. He thanks Chaim Nassin Demeter for his involvement in the Sugi. So now it starts with his fellows. Rabbi Kluger, he writes a, a, a sharp tshuva, he writes as follows. The heter for this thing, for the machine matzah, as we know, was given 20 years before it came to Galicia. That heter was given by French rabbanim, by German rabbanim, with a very wide heter. Nobody, there was ein peitzepeh, nobody was chaylik. It was something that spread like wildfire amongst those communities and was very widely accepted. So right off the bat, says Rabbi Shalom ein lum with Ashkenazim yikamatayim. Don't learn from the Ashkenazim, from the yekis, he means, from the French and German community. We, we, don't, we don't function like them. Don't learn from them. Now, in this tshuva, that's all he has to say about Ashkenazim. He just says, don't learn from them, which is, uh, you know, it's polite enough. It's not uh, anything that would ruffle too many feathers. What he took, what was taken out of his tshuva in this country is, uh, in, in his own tshuvas, he writes much more strongly about how the Ashkenazim don't care about being shemer the Messiah, they don't care about minigav asayim b'yedayim, and the Ashkenazim have it all wrong, and don't look at the Ashkenazim. Now, that was edited out of this tshuva in this country, for whatever reason, they didn't want to ruffle the feathers of the whole Ashken, old Ashkenazi Rabbanim, so they took that out of the tshuva. The Shailu Meshiv, in his response, says, Stamazay, the whole thing's a farce, you're tampering with the tshuva, you took out things that I saw already, just, just keep that in mind. So now, Rav Shlomo is going to count out the reasons that he holds, that the machine matzah should be aser. Dr. Reason number one, and this is mamish not, not halachadik a reason, Dr. Shlomo reason number one, he says, is because lehiyoyz shehu goizel it steals from the Aniyim. Automation steals from Aniyim. The people who work, the machine matzahs, the people who are working, you know, riddlers and, and bakers, and things, they're all the Aniyim, and they look forward to the one time a year when their skill of just, of just having good arms could uh, count for something and they could get paid for that. And you're stealing away that money from the Aniyim. And he says, just like we find by Purim, that we don't move the day to Purim too much because Ene Aniyim are, are looking forward to that day. So the, the, the matzah can't be moved to, to a way where it steals away the Parnassa from the Aniyim, says Rav Shlomo Kluger. But Rav Shlomo Kluger is obviously aware that that is not a halacha, a reason, you know, in, 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 in a real halacha way. He says, nearly gimel time in the Asr Medina. He says, I have three reasons why it's Asr even la halacha Medina. He says, Echad is that we paskin that in order to be Yaitzi Yechevas Matzah, it doesn't even work with a, a, a guy or a katan doing it with the Yisraelim of Agava. The, the Mechaber, we, we mentioned this when we spoke about it the first time, the Beis Yosef brings down that there's two days in the Rishonim. If <coughs> matzah could be made, if the lishma of matzah could be affected by having a god if even if the person who's actually baking the matzah is not capable of having a lishma, having intentions of lishma, could lishma be contributed by a god The Mechaber, the Maisa Paskins, that even a god is not enough for lishma by Pesach. So says the Mechaber, we paskin that it doesn't work. So it says, "Bevada idei machine, kibun da anan kaimul and da ein yotzin afilu basau charashet vekaton shein lemdas v'yisrael lemed lagavov nami lemahani." Just like it doesn't work with the charashet vekaton who are doing it because they cannot intend to do lishma and the yisrael lemed lagavov on top of them doesn't effectuate lishma. So to the machine, you can't make lishma in a machine. A machine's a machine. It can't, you can't have lishma in a machine. That's reason number one. That's a halachadik reason. Now just keep in mind that the Indian of Lishma by Matzah is only relevant to the Laila Rishayna of Pesach. The rest of the nights of Pesach, the rest of the days of Pesach, Matzah is kosher, even if it's Shaloi Lishma. 
the reason that matzah needs to be lishma, that's an exclusively Laila Rishain concern. Now, the Oid he says, that, uh, that you need to have a zrizos v'shmiris yiseir by matzah. The chazal are, are very phenomenal with it being an exceptional amount of zrizos and shmira in the matzah. And he says, We don't know what exactly is going on in these machines. We don't know how long the chimutz takes. And it's impossible to be Mekayim Chazal's warning that you need shimur and shmira, like an extra level of shimur and shmira to the matzah, if you don't even know, you know what makes it tick. We, like we spoke last time, the 18 minutes is just uh, uh, given in perfect conditions. Once you're not in perfect conditions, we don't know anymore what affects the matzah. So how could you be Mekayim Chazal's Azhara to be shamer and to be to be on top of matzah. We don't even know what's going on. Then he says that's number two. Says our number three lahalacha is, and this one's a creative one. He says the the way the machine was, we know, is it would it was well we don't know. It was, it was just a, a hand cranked machine that took over the rolling. You put a big clump of dough in front of it and you rolled it through a bunch of wheels with a hand crank and out it spat out like a big flat panel of matzah and then you'd have to take. Uh, either a circular knife and chop the matzahs into circles, which was the original way, or a square blade and make it thing and, and, and split it into square matzahs, which was the later way. So says in B'Shalem there's a din in, in the Gemara M'sachim says that you're not allowed to make matzah uh, with a, in, in a specific design. You can't design, you can't decorate your matzah. Like, you know, a sourdough, like a, a leaf or a whatever. You can't, you can't decorate your matzah. Says the Gemara, why? Because we don't want you wasting time with decorations. It could lead to chimuts. Frak the Gemara, what about if you have a tfos? If you have a pan that imparts the design on it automatically, you put the dough in a pan and it imparts the design automatically, and it's no sweat off your back. So says the Gemara, no, a nice in matzah with tfos, and it's exera. Because yaimru, that this type of pattern matzah is okay, and this type of pattern matzah is not okay, so we don't use instruments to, to regards to matzah. So says the, says Yipshleim Kluger, the circular blade that's being used to cut out the matzah shape is an instrument. Instruments are not allowed by, by matzah. Which is a, it's a chiddush, what Shlomo Kluge is saying, that that's considered an instrument, and instruments are not allowed by matzah. Third, third, uh, like, as a sniff to this, he says, there's many more concerns. First of all, he says, if you're doing squares, we know that uh, a circle is 25% less than the square would be from. And if I take a square and I put a circle press inside of it, I'm left with 25% of that on the margins. Now, so that means that of every sheet of matzah that gets rolled out of here, 25% of it is not usable for batch number one, for the matzahs that you're spitting out of here. So what has to happen? You can't waste it, so you gather it all up again, and you put it through the wheel a second time. And, and you keep going, and then at the end of the batch, you stop. Says Rishleim Kluger, putting it back in, maybe once it rolled through the wheel, it already got like worked very strong, and now it's holding by becoming comments right away, and there's no more time to put it through the wheel. Putting it through the wheel, and who knows how many cycles it will go through before you actually get it to be a matzah, that's a problem also. Then, uh, and, and, and another concern, he says, is that when a person is, is rolling out the matzahs with his hands, if there's, let's say, some sort of uh, unground uh, piece of tour that's in there, a piece of flour that wasn't ground properly, and it's in there. If you're massaging it with your hands, you're rolling it out, you're going to come across that, and you're going to pull it out. And that's something that's saving the matzahs from becoming chametz. So if you're just rolling it on a tfus and you're stamping it with, with you know, big blades and turning it to squares, no human hand is running across the matzahs in a consistent way. And it's going to be very hard to pick out the imperfections that could later lead to a nefucha or a kfula or to something not being properly baked. So that's another concern. Now all this is, is um, very straightforward. Now... These are the reasons that he says lesser. Now, we're going to have to see 
what exactly got the, the Shailameshiv so upset. These are just halachadik reasons. Now, here's where, where it gets tricky. We spoke last time that the Shailameshiv had a chavrusa, a very unique chavrusa shaft with his brother in law, Matchazev Ettinger. They learned together for many, many years. They wrote very, very chashiv svarim, top tier svarim together, close as could be. At some point, they obviously, uh, there was a parting of ways. And in this Indian is where it comes to the fore. Now, the second letter in the Kuntras Lesser that's really coming to take, take to argue with the Shlomo Kluger, and the second letter in the Kuntras is from none other than his brother-in-law, Matchazev Ettinger. He's the second one right after Shlomo Kluger, and he writes as follows. He says, uh, <coughs> he, he says, I'm not feeling great. I'm hurried today to, to respond to be mafresh me'isura, because this is a very important need, he says. He says, now here's where it gets personal. He says, I, I don't know what, what, uh, what got into my brother-in-law, the, the Shailu Meishev, he says. I don't know if it's Sheikh had mamin, Sheikh had kavid, I don't know why he's not seeing what I'm seeing over here. I don't know what got into him. And he says, uh, He says, I was invited to the original meeting with my brother-in-law, the Shailu Meishev, to look at this machine and to see if it's negay to use for Pesach. And it was pashit to me that the machine was, was, was no good. And I don't know how my brother-in-law missed it. And I know that they already chafed I was going to disagree. So they didn't invite me to the second meeting. And they just, they overrode my opinion over here. And no one cares what I have to say in, in my town of Lvov. Then he continues with the reasons. And he says, He says, first of all, when the machine is turning it on the wheels, on the metal plate, you know, on the metal table that it's spitting it out on, it's heating the matzah. It gets very hot from the turning. It's heating the matzah. And by heating the matzah, again, we know once you're not in a controlled temperature environment, the, the chametz clock is all off. And we don't know when chametz happens. He says, I watched, I saw it was hot. And, and that's very problematic. It becomes chametz gum. He says, also, I saw that there are little pieces that get trapped in the sides of the machinery that stay there. And then who knows if in another batch, they come rolling out, they get dislodged and they get worn back in. And those could be sitting there for who knows how long they get stuck, then they come back out. That's another problem, he says. Um, and, and then he, he continues, he says, these are all things that I saw, you know, my, my own eyes, I saw that it got hot, I saw things got stuck. He says, uh, and then he gets to the Lishma aspect, and over here, he takes a dachistic, a different turn than the Shailam Meshav. The Shailam Meshav just says that you can't have Lishma when it's a machine, just like you can't have with God Lema Lagabav. He doesn't say a chasarin in Lishma. He says a different word. He says, Kigamba Maisa Ish, Hamasaviv Hagilgal, Lenercha Isakim, Mikayach, Kayach, Kayach, Kayach. It's too indirect. It doesn't connect to the person. Not that you can't effectuate Lishma on, the, on a machine or on something that's not being done by your hand. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's a felt in Kayach, Kayach, and we'll see why this is an important distinction in how he's saying it, how the Ramat Chazavetinger is saying it. Now, the next one is probably the most famous one and becomes the most important tshuva on the topic, the most pivotal one on the topic, is from Rav Chaim Tzanzer. Rav Chaim Tzanzer is, is the same age as the Shalom Meshiv. Neither one of them are very old. They're both high 40s, you know, 48, 49. Rav Chaim Tzanzer writes, he says, so first of all, he introduces Tunikudis. Rav Chaim Tzanzer introduces to this parsha, and that's why it's, it's very pivotal to the parsha. He introduces Nikuda number one. Nobody until now, any of the other Meshivim said, that machine matzah is chametz. They said this chashashis, it could come to chametz, it's not the best way to do it, who knows what could come out of it, also it's a chesreinus. Rechaim Tanza comes right out the gate and says it's chametz gomer. Pashat me, machine matzah is chametz gomer, he says. That's point number one. He says it can't be cleaned, it can't be looked over properly. I, I'm being saimach on Ramat Chazev Ettinger's edus 
that it gets hot and the pieces get stuck. Chaim Tzanzik had never had never saw a machine matzah at this point. I don't know if, when he did eventually. Chaim Tzanzik himself never saw a machine, a matzah machine or a machine matzah with his own eyes. He's being saying on the the brother-in-law of the Shalomesh, we told him that it's it's not a system and it's chametz gomer. And then the second part that makes this tshuva um, like untouchable that you can't wiggle out of it. If you're a, if you're an, if you look to the Divrichaim for psak, meaning anyone in Divrichaim's can who looked to the Divrichaim for psak for halacha, there's no wiggle room because of what he does there. A he says it's chametz gomer. That's A. And B he says I have a kabbalah for my father-in-law. He's, the Divrichaim is married many times. I think four times. His first shver was the Baruch Tam, Baruch Frankel Tumim. He says, I have a Kabbalah for my, for my shver, L'Sha'avar, Baruch Frankel Tumim, who told me that by things like this, you don't even give a reason. He says, so this is Asr, it's Chametz Gamor, Mitam HaKamus Etzli. A reason that I'm keeping by me. And things like this, you don't enter into a debate. You don't talk about this. It's Asr because I say so, and I'm not giving a reason. And he ends off, Im Oichlim Chametz Mamash Pesach. If you eat it, it's regular Chametz on Pesach. And, and uh, all his Eniklach, you know, the Devichayim is, is a huge uh, shalshalas of Rabbanim and, and Rebbes and Paiskin. Every single one of his Eniklach, uh, the Satmer Rebbe, the Kleisenberger Rebbe, Moshe Halbishtam, Shailach, every one of them, the stories about each one of them, strictly, strictly insisting to stick to the Devichayim's psak that it's Chametz Gamer and there's no wiggle room. Now, this becomes important because ultimately how this fight plays out is it becomes something that, that breaks down upon, onto chassidish litzvish lines. If you're a chassid, it's off the table, it's out of the question. Like the Kleisenberger Rebbe says in one of his speeches, he says, I was in Kleisenberg, he says, in 1939 when the war started and it was a time where there was no food to be had and the Rabbanim all got together and they were making the Tailum could eat kidneys that year. Because Elam was starving, there was no food to be had. He said, and nobody, nobody ate kidneys. Everybody stuck to them in it, strong as could be, and didn't eat kidneys, because Jews are holy. But he says, you know what, never even crossed their mind to be Mekelon? Machine matzah. He says, they were Mekelon kidneys, and nobody listened to them. Didn't cross their mind to be Mekelon machine matzah, is what he says. For, for just for example, for, this is something that stuck with the Devichayim's family and the, 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 the whole Chesidah Shevelt, really, to, to an extreme, extreme level. Now, in here, in this country, is also the, the Chedusha Rim. The Gera Rebbe also comes out strongly against uh, machine matzah, but much more briefly. He just says, I'm being saimach on, on those, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm being saimach on those who told me, those who come before me. I'm not really going to take a position, but it's aser. Uh, that's what he says. Now, there's letters here from Rav Chaim Nassim himself. And then <laughs> there's letters from, from uh, Lamashal. The Imre Bina has a letter here. Then there's two more letters that Rishlein Mekloga writes. And this is where it gets, again, more personal. The, more on the tone of the Shalom Eishim's brother-in-law, the Matchaz Avitinger, these chubas. He writes, just for example, uh, he says, Ki Adanu, we know already about this Shalom Eishim's and the Shalom Eishim, that he, he looks for Kula Kula Akademis, whatever comes first, whatever Kula he can get his hands on, he's looking for, he writes. Uh, he gets very uh, like uh, personal and 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 that's how the, the tone of the, of, of, the letter, of the letters continue. And when this country came out, it became you know, a very well-defined side that says the machine matzah zaser. And the, the chesid shevelt ultimately sticks to this, to this psaq and this anhaga for always. Now, from Shlema Kluger, uh, the Shailam Meshiv was, was very, very insulted. He was very insulted. He, he found himself in an impossible situation, so to speak. He was in a town 
that like we spoke was rampant with Haskalah, they were trying to take over. He had just secured the Shtela, the Rabbanus in, in, in Lemberg, you know, for an Orthodox, for, for a true Gadladar to be the Rav of Lemberg as is appropriate. And he was trying to thread the needle to work with, with everyone in the town and not, you know, make a big fetish. He was found himself in an impossible situation. He, he, he of course, cared greatly for the Chumrah de Pesach and even felt that this was a Malyusa, it was a, it was a better thing, the Matzah is going to come up better like this. But he was, he, was, he was threading the needle. Now, he puts out a contrast. It's printed in Shailam Meshiv, but it was a contrast on its own. It's called Bittal Maida, aptly named. The contrast, the first contrast in Maida Lebeis Yisrael. The Shailam Meshiv's contrast in rebuttal is Bittal Maida, which is uh, it's in the name. And uh, he writes that, uh, I picked up in my hand the pen of revenge, to, to take revenge from the people who embarrassed me. To show everybody that they're being right with me for nothing. That I'm right and there's nothing to be right with me about. And uh, he continues and he writes, his, he says, and uh, he says as follows, well, he says, the, the, the machine matzah that we're working with in Lavov that has my hachshar in it, he says, from the minute the water enters the pan with the with the flour to be lush, to turn it into a dough, until the matzahs hit the oven, he says, it doesn't reach three minutes. It's a super quick, efficient process for, for Zrizim, that no one's lazy at all, and at worst, it takes five minutes to get the oven, and everything is in the best way without any batzik that's stuck to anything, he says. He says, now between the, the, the first showing and the second showing, which we know from Ramach Chazavitinger that there was two showings, one he was invited to, one he wasn't. He says, between the first showing and the second showing, someone who doesn't belong being involved in this, from Krakow, Chaim Nassim Demitzer, got involved and started collecting chuvis from different people to argue with me, and he put together a whole kundras. He says, now, that's his Akdama. Then he says, now I'm going to start, and I'm going to talk to, talk to the Indian. So he writes... And he goes through all of Shlomo Kluger's reasons one after the other. And he says, for, if he starts with the, you know, the one, the, the, the Lev Aniyim, that the Aniyim are, are, uh, are so actually, first he starts off criticizing Chaim Nassim Demeter's editorial work. He says, you, you chepid with the thing, you took things in, you took things out. I shouldn't really believe you in the first place. The whole thing's Mizoyif Mitaychei. But I'm going to respond to what I have in front of me. That's his first two prakim, first two paragraphs is to just uh, say you, you're not a bar samcha b'chlal. You didn't, you didn't do a real job. You didn't do an honest job. Then he continues and he says, he's going to start with the first truth. He's going to go in order. He says, uh, I'm going to read this again with the Azhar in mind. He, he brings the Shlomo Kluger's first reason of, of Leva Aniyam and he says, Amnam hevel nidafu vilano. Made me laugh. He says, this reason made me laugh. And then he, he brings Rias from Gemara Megillah, why it's not relevant. And, and then he continues with, uh, with the Rishleim Kluger says that, that you know, it's not in the Shema. Because just, just like if a cotton's doing it and a Gadol Zemel Gavav, that doesn't count. So to me, this shouldn't count. He says, he says, I don't know what he's talking about. Rishleim Kluger thinks the machine happens like with magic. You wave a wand and it happens. You throw it in, it rolls itself out. It just comes on its own. It says a person's doing it. What, is it. what doesn't pass Lishma? A person is turning the wheel. He's making Lishma. Of course it passes Lishma. And, and then he continues uh, about the, the, you know, the. Again, he says Rishlam Kluger was concerned that it could come Lidei Chametz. He says, I'm telling you, it goes fast, it's clean, it's moving, there's no makam for Chametz, nothing could happen. 
He talks about the concern that you're not going to find the broken pieces that aren't ground down properly. He says, no, over here too, we were makbid to look it over. As you cut it, you look it over. And if you see something that doesn't belong there, you pull it out. Not a concern. And, and he continues. And then, uh, then he says, Ata, now let's turn our attention to, to my dear brother-in-law, Ramad Chazev Ettinger, and what he wrote. He says, he starts off the letter that, I'm not feeling that great, but but I rushed to intervene to be mafresh me'isura. He says, it would be better if you didn't rush so much. He says, oh, he says, be better if you just, you rest it up. You didn't have to jump and get involved, he says. That, that's who he starts off. He says, second of all, I'm the Rav in town over here, not you. Chavrusis that we were, albeit that we were good Chavrusis, I'm the Rav in town over here, I have a Bezdin. And you're Mukhoyev Litzayis to my Psakim. Don't ru- rush Lafushim Yisur and Lvov, not your department. You should have just convalesced. I'll, I'll take care of the Psakim over here. And then he says, this that you say becomes Chametz uh, Gamer. Uh, who gave his pen permission to write whatever it wants? He says, Not afraid to push a lie in front of everybody? I was there too. It doesn't happen the way you said it. It doesn't get hot. It doesn't turn into chametz. He says, You're not even a bad. And this is where the, the, the crazy part is how personal he gets. So he says, I'm like blown away by you. He says, That you followed Rabbi Shlomo Kluger's words. Embassy says, You already know that he just looks for chumrus. He says, We've written him letters together when we were chavrusis. You know that, that he's just looking for chumrus. And, and then now you decided to jump ship and go with him? Can't understand it, he says. And he says, He says, Before I showed up here on the scene, before I came to the house of my father in law over here, Who were you? You weren't, you weren't anything before I got here, he says. I taught him I knew all his chesreinus I was always aware of his chesreinus and I, I, I assuaged everyone who was talking negatively about him I told him no he's good he's tzimzach I took care of you and anyone who, know who loves the truth will be made that what I'm saying is the truth he says and then he says even more shocking to me is he says if you want to come fight with me already, so, but you know that I'm much better in learning than you. So you stop, you came with stupid tainus? He says, come with real tainus if you want to fight with me. He, this is literally what he says. How did you make Pashtun mistakes? You should have prepared if you want to fight with me. You know that the, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Tzimzach. Then he continues, he moves on to the, to the, to the, to, to the Divrichayim. And he says, the Divrichayim, He's a big gadol. He's a big tamar chacham. But why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you first ask me my shita before you wrote about me? He says when you had when you had a shaila in agunas, you wrote to me and you asked me to hurry quickly to respond because you're relying on my answer. And I did. I sent you. But now suddenly you lost my number. This, it's extremely like you could the pain that he's going through, like the searing pain. The way he responds over here is very clear to read. And, and he continues mamish along this vein. Then he does collect other chuvas from different paiskim who agree with him. Um, you know, he collects all the German Rabbanim and the Aruch Lener and the Ksav Seifer and the uh, Revolf Hamburg, all the Gedalei Rabbanim, the Tzvars Yisrael. You know, many, many Gedalei Rabbanim who agreed with him also. And uh, he collects from the other Dayanim of Avram Yaner, who was a Dayan in Prague, who actually in, in Krakow actually writes that Rav Avram Nosson Dembitzer is not even really a Dayan here. 
It's fake news. He's not a dying. He's just writing that he's a dying. He collects from the Dayan of Krakow. More tshuvas to agree with him. And he continues and he compiles also uh, uh, a tshuva over here. You know, a whole collection of tshuvas. Now, something that I just wanted to, to point out that was interesting to me is the Shaila Meshiv had no children. Uh, actually, someone sent me a picture. Yeah. In the Tasha Mikvah, they hung up on his yard set. I know some Zalman used to say, Shir on the Shailam Meshiv's yard said he would dedicate it to Lilo Nishmasa because he left over no children. Shailam Meshiv didn't have any children. Now, his father, in here, if I could find it, writes to him a letter. I can't find it, but his father writes to him a letter, and you could tell the tone of the letter, the question to his father was a whole different question, and the answer is a whole different answer. The question wasn't a halachic question. He wasn't asking his father a Shailam Halacha about Mashim Matzah. We don't have the Shailah, but from the response, you could tell what the, what the answer was, what the Shailah was. His father writes to him, Don't worry. History will vindicate you. They're not going to say that you were a bad guy. They're not going to say you didn't know how to learn. Just, just stick to you. Stick to your, your thing. Learn. Do your thing. Don't worry about it. No one's going to say bad things about you. So you could tell that the Shiloh that he wrote to him was that like, I'm trapped over here. I'm pushed. I'm, I'm, I, there's nothing, I can't give Zechayetz over here. L'halacha it's mutter. You want to know in a perfect world, should I do it? Maybe not. But it's not a perfect world. I have to deal with the city that's in front of me, with the situation that's in front of me. And now they're attacking me and they're saying that I'm a kaldas and I'm, I'm, I'm mekel and I don't know how to learn. And, and where's my leg? What, what am I going to be here? I, I just got to... And his father writes him like, history will vindicate you. You'll be fine. And, and Taka, the Shailameshev, goes down in history as, as you know, one of the G'day are Everyone, literally everyone, on all sides of this conversation go down as from, from the G'day Le'elam. But uh, the, the tone and the pain that's on both sides, the shafkat that's on both sides... It's just a, you know, a crazy, crazy thing to, to, wear, to read. Now, Lemaisa, what it comes down to is Tzim Seifa became a Machlekes, the Litvaks and the Chassidim. And it kept popping up, like again and again throughout history. In Yushalayim it popped up, and uh, in Krakow it popped up. And Krakow is actually an interesting story. I'll just, Paris HaNashun, I'll just say the, the Krakow version. In Krakow, the Rav of Krakow at that time, it's like the early 1900s, was Rabbi Yosef Nechemi Kornitzer. He was the a great, a great grandson of the Chassim Seifer. He's uh, Edim, but Chassam uh, Seifer had a son, Shimon Seifer, who became the Rav of Krakow. He had a son, I forgot his name, and his son-in-law was Yosef Nechemi Kornitzer. So he's a great-grandson of Chassam Seifer. And uh, Machine Matzah arrived in Krakow. Now Krakow is Tif Tif Galicia, it's full of Chassidim. It's all people who are, who are Divrichayim people. It's people who, Tzanzerov people. It's not people who, who uh, you know, should be following uh, the Litvish brand of Halacha. And the Shaila comes to him and he says, listen, I'm not going to give it out my Heksher. And I'm also not going to come out strongly against it. I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to stand back. I don't have to get involved in it. Now, the Rechaim had, I think, 14 children. The Rechaim, which, is, which is, is a crazy thing to note. The Rechaim was born in 1805, give or take. I could be all five years. He was born in 1805. He had two children who died in the Holocaust. Do the math. Like 140-something years later. The Rechaim had children when he was 70. Like, and who lived a long time. So the, the, the Rechaim had... Two children, I think the Ratzverte and the Tchaiver, who died in the Holocaust. So Reb Shaila Tchaiver, who was the youngest son of the Devichayim, became, he lived somewhere nearby to Krakow, and he became aware of the Matzah machine arriving there. And uh, he wrote a letter to the Marash Engel, who was one of the biggest Paiskim in, in, in Galicia at that time, saying that you have to stand up for my father's honor and be Meicha that there can't be a machine Matzah in Prague. And Marash Engel writes that, listen, this is a fight that's going on for, at this point, uh, you know, 100 years. But Avada, I have a tremendous soft spot for your family, for the Halberstams, for the Vichayim, etc. And of course, this shouldn't go on in Prague. This Prague is Anash. Prague is people who follow the Vichayim, who live with our rules. 
and then it shouldn't be here in Prague. Krakow. You're right. I'm sorry, Krakow. Krakow. Yeah, Prague, Faket. <laughs> Prague, Prague it belongs in. Krakow doesn't belong in. So, uh, so Rebbe uh, Sivan to the Rav of Prague, takes offense. The Rav of the city that we're discussing takes offense, and he, he writes a letter to Marash Engel, and he says, uh, there's a Rav here. I'm a qualified Rav. I'm aware of the Shaila. I'm not, I didn't give it a hechsher. I'm not holding by putting my shtemple on it. Just me, I believe that you can't impose something, he says, that lahalacha is really mutter. Lahalacha is zikr mutter. You can't impose this hashkafa, this chumra, that it's matzah, on a whole big city like Krakow. Because this is all stripes and you have to let it, and it will peter out on its own, and there's no reason for this. To which the Marash Engel writes back to him, You're right. I never expressed an actual halachic position. I happen to have a special soft spot for Rabshayla Chcheva and the Devachayim. And when he asked me, the old man, Rabshayla Chcheva, asked me to get involved, I couldn't turn him down, but you're right. And, and, and the way you want it is the way it should be. And, uh, <clears throat> and no one spoke more on it. And eventually, very quickly, it dissipated. It, it disappeared and it, it left the circulation in Krakow. In the, in, in the Chassid Shevelt, they said that Rabshayla Chcheva himself supposedly commented I always knew that in, in Krakow, so near to where my father is operating, this wouldn't be able to stand. In the, the Litvish Halachavelt, they say, it vindicated the Rishul attitude, meaning he understood the city, he understood the lay of the land, and he's like, just, you don't have to do anything. It will fall apart itself. There's not enough demand. There's not enough. Just don't make a fight. Just, just let it go and it will go away. So either way, you know, it, it ends up like that. Just one more Paris and Eishman, and I'll leave it. The, the most famous machine matzah company I think that we all know about is Manashevitz Matzah. Manashevitz Matzah opened in 1888. It's a very long time ago. It was opened by a guy, Reb, uh, I think, Doiv Ber Manashevitz. He came from the town of Salant, a rather famous town. He was close with the of Zundel Salant and of Shmuel Salant. He had a long vice board. He was a real good litvashid. He came, he moved to Cincinnati. He was looking for Parnassah. And eventually he opened the matzah bakery. Now he also ran into problems, but much less of a halachic nature, because there was no Hasidim in America. So there was nobody to put up a fuss. It was, it was German Jews at that time, Yekesha Jews, then Russian Litvaks came. There was no one to put up a fuss in America. Nobody cared. It was, it was Jews who ate this at home. Jews who ate this in Europe already were coming to America. So there was no one to make a fuss. Now, it, it's just interesting that he got into a personal fight with another matzah producer in Cincinnati, and uh, he, he writes advice to his own father back in Salant, you know, looking for rabbinic support to say that my matzah is more kosher, it's better. So I tells him it's America, just produce a good product and they're going to buy it. You don't have to fight, just produce a good product. And, and Taka, uh, I forgot his name, but uh, Bear Manashevitz's son has logged in the patent office 50 patents of like tikkunim and, and inventions that he did to improve the machine. At, a cert, at one point in time, there was a newspaper article that said the machine that Menashevitz just built is the most expensive machine in any factory in the United States. It was like, as a, you know, the perfect machine. So that, that's the, the, the tack they went. And the, I saw an article that collected like all the old ads that they had in papers back in the day, and they were all about how clean and neat, and they came in like a nice cigar box, the matzah, and it was no human hands have touched it at all. It's not sullied by human hands. It was very much an American marketing tactic. Like, it's clean, it's elite, it's healthy. That, that was their, the, 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 the tact they took. Now, the reason why we know all these details about Manashevitz Matzah is because in 1948, they were sued by the IRS because the Manashevitz Matzah company had a yeshiva 
in Yerushalayim that they would support exclusively, and they had it written off as a business expense. We need to have a yeshiva in Yerushalayim that we train Tamidei Chachamim to, as a business expense of the Manashevitz company. Now, really, they were just Balit Staka who wanted to help the yeshiva. They had a long, deep-seated connections to Yerushalayim from Salant, you know, still. There was a lot of connections from the Manashevitz family in Cincinnati to the Salants in, in Yerushalayim. But they wrote this off. Now, at that time, there was no such a thing as a charitable donation. Charitable donations being a write-off on a tax return only starts in 1955 under Lyndon Bain Johnson. So the, ID, the IRS sues them and says, this is not a write-off. How is this a business, how is this a justifiable business expense? And in the whole discovery of the case, where the lawyers present the case, they give the background and the history of Manashevitz, and they explain how machine matzah is a fraught issue that's very, very tightly connected to major rabbinic discussion and rabbinic argument as evidenced by all the rabbinic fights, and therefore it's imperative for the company to have a school where they train rabbis who will be able to respond and deal with these rabbinic entanglements that could arrive from the machine matzah. So maybe it's a half-truth, but, but it worked, and the IRS allowed them to write off the yeshiva in Yerushalayim as a, as a business expense, even before charitable donations were introduced. Um, okay. Shkayach. Huh? <laughs> 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 <